June 21st, 2023. We're continuing in Masech Berachot. We're on Daf Yod Zayin Amud Aleph. If you count from the bottom of the Amud upward, it's nine lines from the bottom, three words before the end of the line. What the Gemara had just finished talking about was the difference between Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba. How in Olam Haba, in this world afterward, um, in the future, there's no achila, no shetia, there's no physical activity, no competition, and so on and so forth. In that context, the Gemara now remarks, The promise uh, with regards to reward for women, the Gemara says, and the assumption, the understanding in turn is, for olam haba, is greater for women than it is for men. from Back this up. Nashim sha'ananot komna shema'ana koli banot botehot ha'zenna imrati. So it's a reference to calling in women of valor, women of strength. And in the context of, of this pasuk, stand up, listen to my voice, and so forth. Kivyachol hakadosh baruchu through Yeshaya is referring to women in two ways. There are two adjectives. Number one, sha'ananot, and number two, botehot. Each one of them being a positive adjective, a positive attribute. And in turn, the understanding being women have the double adjective in the positive sense appended to their uh, being, as opposed to men only have one. It's as a result, the derasha, that the haftaha, the botehot of these women, is not only botehot, it's sha'ananot as well. Uh, we should understand, we should appreciate, the Gemara is suggesting, that women have, uh, in some respect, a greater zechut, a greater um, possibility in, in uh, merit after this world. rav nashim Rav, seemingly commenting on this, uh, says, what is it that causes that zechut for women? He asks this to Rabbi Hiyah. Now, of course, the answer could, and perhaps maybe we would have imagined should have been, mitzvot, that they're obligated in, and so forth. Why is it? What type of question is this? And the answer is going to be specifically in the domain of Talmud Torah. It appears as if the vision of the hachamim is that in some respect, the greatest portion in Olam Haba comes through an apprehension and understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Talmud Torah. If women aren't engaged in Talmud Torah, it's not to say that they can't be, but at the time of the Gemara, they weren't. So then how are they getting the double portion? How are they getting the Should greater the portion men? than men? That's exactly the question. Nashim Be'maizachyan answers the Gemara, Be'akruye, or answers Rabbi Chia, Be'akruye banayu lebeknishta. It's by bringing their sons to Akruye from Mikra, uh, meaning learning Torah Bechtav, in Bekinishta. Uh, once upon a time, and Rashi refers us to this, not too long ago even, children used to learn Torah Bechtav. They didn't per se learn it in a school, they learned it in the Bekinishta, what we call the synagogue today. Kenis means the place where they would gather. In Yiddish, as a matter of fact, shul and school are the same thing. The synagogue was the place where they would, the children would be educated in Akruye, but not only do they bring their children to the Knis to study and to learn Torah Bechtav, it's also their ability to bring and make certain that their husbands go Berabanan, their Atnuye, they're learning Torah Be'alpeh, Mishnayot and Gemara, in Berabanan in the Bet Midrash. Venatrin legavrayu, not only do they make certain that they make their way to the Knis, to the Midrash, in order to study their sons and their husbands, natrin legavrayu ad de'atu, 
and they guard or they wait for their husbands until they return from the Midrash. And so it seems a little bit like, uh, to a certain extent, a letdown. Oh, so the description was, what's the greater merit that women have? Uh, so we'd imagine maybe it's going to say they have a better understanding of Torah. Uh, maybe they're able to delve into the depths in ways that men aren't. Instead, they do carpool. They do carpool. They uh, babysit. Uh, that's the description. Now, I, I do believe that aside from maybe a certain apologetic, I think there's something very positive and, and constructive in terms of what the Hakamim are describing over here. And that is that we uh, do neglect to realize how the process leading to outcomes is oftentimes uh, the most important part. More important than the outcome itself or as important? Um, well, again, <clears throat> I, you could argue as important if you've gotten to the outcome, but imagine a circumstance where you don't get to reap on your own the dividends of the outcome and you only invested in the process. There's a certain lishma over there beyond someone who achieves the outcome. If I'm a part of this business and you're the one who's making the billions at the end of the day, but I put in all the efforts beforehand in terms of appreciating, in terms of, so to speak, who put in their all. Well, we both put in our all, but you're the one who walked away with more of the money than I did. And so... Rightfully so. People look at the situation and say, fantastic, you did great. But look at what the other person did. He put himself in. It's l'shem shamaim, so to speak. He did it with the right intention. When you don't get the knowledge of Torah at the same time, and you'd, you just put in all that effort, well, we're able to look at that and say, yes, in a certain respect, it's equivalent. The fact that you didn't get the outcome, the fact that you didn't come, walk away with the un information understanding as well, that's what, uh, to a certain extent, gives you zechut higher, not per se zechut ba'olam hazeh. I mean, there's a famous story that's told about several, several rabbis. I, I heard it for the first time in the name of Rabbi Aaron Cutler, that he was meeting with someone in America collecting money for Lakewood Yeshiva. And so the individual says to him, he says, Rabbi, aren't you jealous of me? Why should I be jealous of you? He says, do you know how much money I uphold your yeshiva? All the boys, all the men, all the Torah that's learned in your institution, it's on me. Yisachar and Zivulun, I'm the Zivulin, the Chof Yamim Yishkot. I'm an individual who upholds it. And Rabbi Aaron Cutler said, absolutely, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of your Olam Haba, but aren't you jealous of my Olam Hazeh? In other words, I'm involved in Torah right now. So the, the reference then in the Gemara to B'may Zachyan in terms of and Olam Haba is very much understood. In terms of their engagement, in terms of their involvement here, it's a lot more difficult. If you're the individual who's not reaping the dividends, is not enjoying it here, if you're doing carpool your whole life, if you're not then enjoying it on your own, if you're just babysitting constantly without reaping the dividends, so to speak, whatever it is that the outcome is, uh, there is a difficulty in terms of understanding a connectedness in Olam Hazeh. But that, uh, in my understanding, is the reference, and, and it's very appropriate contextually in our Gemara, we're talking about Olam Haba. That's B'may Zachyan. That's their uh, greatness in this respect, of course, what we're all seeking and searching and striving for is both Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba in terms of our connection with Torah and Mitzvot. Ki havu mipatere rabbanan miber bi'ameh. So as the Gemara, when the Hachamim left the house, 
or the Midrash of Rabbi Ameh. Rashi says either to go home or to go back to their lands. If they were visiting, or not visiting, if they were studying abroad, and they were leaving the Midrash to return to their wives after a long extended period of study. Vamrela and others have the version, it's when they would leave the Midrash, Miber Bihanina, what would they say one to the other as their parting ways? You just studied a lot of Torah. You just had a very spiritual ziman period of, of, of growth. What do you say one to the other in terms of your parting words? Amre le or amre hache. They would either say to him, to the rabbi, or one to the other, to Girsaot in our Gemara. They would say, Olamcha tirebehayecha. You should see, and the words are Olamcha, your world in your life. Well, what does it mean to see your world in your life. Um, in other words, uh, how do you see your, says Rashi, kol tzerachecha timsa. Uh, your olam, your world, is all your needs. All your needs you should find in your lifetime. Okay. Ve'aharitcha lechaya olam haba. And your aftermath should be destined in the place known as olam haba. Ve'tikvatecha dorim. And your hope and your continued legacy should be for eternity. Your heart, your mind should be thinking and focused on matters of knowledge, of course, of Torah, Tevuna. Picha, your mouth, Yedaber Chokmot, should always be speaking words of knowledge of Torah. Your tongue should be bringing forth Rina, songs of praise to Akadosh Baruchu. Afapecha, your eyes, your eyelids, yeishiru negdecha, they should set you on straight, you should be looking at things straight, instead of seeing it in a skewed, roundabout, wrongful fashion. Understand matters in their most straightforward approach. Enecha, yairu bimor Torah, your eyes should be lit up by the light of the Torah. Upanecha, and your face, Yazhiru kezor harakia should beam, should radiate like the radiance of the heavens or the sky. Siftotecha, your lips, yabiru da'at, should express knowledge on its highest level. Kiliotecha ta'alozna mesharim, your innards should be able to speak or to direct yashara as well. There is an ancient vision, or at the very least in terms of thinking about it poetically, that our innards direct us, that our liver has the ability to help us in our understanding. The Gemara describes Abraham Avinu as maybe achieving through his innards an understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ufe'amecha and your feet, yarutsu lishmo'a divrei atik yomin, they should bring you to run to hear the words of Atik Yomin. Atik Yomin is based on a pasuk in Sefer Daniel. It's a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Mekubalim and Zohar and elsewhere very often refer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as Atik Yomin. Either meaning Atik Milashon, old. It's, uh, he's the old one of days. He's the one who's been around so long. Or Atik, Vaya'atek Misham Hahara, it says by Abraham Abinu. He left one place. He detached himself from one place and went to another. He's above space, above time. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the one who's above days, so to speak. Either way, you slice it, it's a reference to hearing 
the words or your legs running to uh, hearing the words of HaKadosh Baruch What's the reference with regards to this whole Beracha? This whole Beracha speaks to the holistic approach of a human being. Who are you? Are you? Is your mind only focused on HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not your hands and eyes and mouth? Or your hands, minds, mouth and, and arms are connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but not your legs? Your whole being should be driven and directed at HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at Torah and Mitzvot. That was the blessing of one to the other. I almost imagine it as we just immerse ourselves, they were saying one to the other, in study of Torah, but now let's go apply it in the real world. I almost imagine that. It doesn't say it explicitly, but keep in mind it's as they were leaving the Midrash. You're leaving the Midrash, don't let your mind be your only receptacle and vehicle to understanding God, to connecting to Torah. Let your whole being, your whole essence do it. Ki havu mipatere rabbanan hasta barnachmeni. And so the Gemara says, when the rabbis would leave either the Midrash, the house of Rav or that of Rabbi Shmuel bar Nachmeni, Amru le or Amru hache. They would say the following: Alufenu mesubalim vechule or vedomer. Alufenu mesubalim. Many people are familiar with this. This is from the Ledavid the Mizmor that we say on uh, on Motzei Shabbat. Well, what do the words mean? Well, an aluf means like a general. Misubali means to be dragging something, means to be carrying something after you. What were they referencing? What were they referring one to the other as they would greet a final greeting or a final farewell um, a blessing? Alufenu misubalim. What were they saying? Says the Gemara. The truth is, uh, maybe it was coded, but we have a dispute as to how to interpret those words, which in turn means that's probably what they were referring one to the other. Um, this sort of concept, Ravu Shmuel v'amrela Rabbi Yohanan v'Rabbi Lazar, there's a mahlokit amongst the Emoraim, it's uncertain exactly who, had different opinions with regards to how to translate these words. Hadamar alufenu batorah mesubalim b'mitzvot. One opinion said that alufenu mesubalim is talking about very righteous people, sadikim. Alufenu, general strength b'torah. What's mesubalim carrying the burden of? Mitzvot. So they would turn to one another and they would say, we should be, you should be, alufenu misubalim, we should be great in Torah and mitzvot. Hadamar alufenu b'torah mitzvot. opinion says, no, alufenu, the strength, the general-like uh, feature, is both by Torah and mitzvot. What's misubalim? Be-yisurim. What does that mean? What are yisurim? Yisurim, of course, means pain. There's a certain vision, we dealt with it a lot earlier in the Masechet, of Yisurin potentially being positive. Now this was far from simple. We did see the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan, who said that there's something called Yisurin Shel Ahava, as we said, it's far from simple. But ultimately speaking, the statement then of Mesubalim uh, Yisurin means we should also be purified, and there is a vision uh, in the Emoraim and the Tanaim that we should be purified through suffering, through uh, torture of HaKadosh. It's far from simple. That might even be what's at the core of this Mahlokit. One says Torah Mitzvot, that's the positive. The other one says, no, Torah Mitzvot is very positive, but as well, Yisurin, which will purify um, the body and the, the heart and, and, and essence of a person. You see, if you continue in the Pesukim or in the Pasuk, it says, En Peres ve en Yoset ve en Sevaha birhovotenu. So the Pasuk right after Alufenu Mesubalim describes in this poetic passage, it says, There is no Peres. What's a Peres? This Pasuk in Tehilim. Peres means something that's open. All right, we have an individual whose name is Peres, born to uh, Tamar. Ve'en yoset, and there's no one going out. There's no breach, and there's no going out. Ve'en sevaha, and there's no shouting. Birhovotenu in our streets. Now this is, it seems to be describing, we want security, we want protection. 
Now, in context, however, it's a mismor in Tehillim. It's what we're imagining, especially the way the rabbis would greet one another or would send off one another. They mean something more than just having simple protection. They say we should be great in Torah Mitzvot, maybe even Yitzurin. What do these words mean now? In Our group, our constituency, our cohort should not have within it uh, someone who breaches, someone who goes off the straight path. Like that of David. Who was that in David? Ahitophel. Ahitophel was a very important individual in the kingdom of uh, David, but ultimately speaking, veers from allegiance to David and turns to Avshalom, his son's side, and plots a way to do away with David. Ultimately speaking, when his plan is not fulfilled, he kills himself at the young age of 33 years old. So Ahitophel, although initially being a very important asset, a very important individual, he goes off the path. He's the Peres. He breaks, he breaches. We should have none of those in our offspring. Then Yoset. Nobody should go off, go out. Who's that? Our cohort, our group shouldn't be like that of Shaul. Doeg as well was a very important person in the Government, government structure of Shaul, but he too goes off. How does he go off? Well, it happened that David's running away from Shaul. He goes to a place called Nov, Irha Kohanim, and there's an individual, Ahimelech, who helps out David by giving him arms and food. And seeing this, Doeg reports this to Shaul, and ultimately speaking, has the whole city wiped out. Doeg is never positively remembered, both Doeg and Ahitophel are listed at the beginning of Perek Helek, the last chapter of Masechet Sanhedrin, as being non-kings, Hedyotot, who lose their Helek La'olam Haba. The reference in our Gemara, then, is one in which they turn to one another and say, let's be positive, let's not have any of these uh, negative offspring uh, come out from us. Ve'en sevaha, what does it mean? There's no shouting. Shelo we furthermore should be clean and pristine in our offspring and our continued lineage so that we shouldn't be like Elisha who had this helper Gehazi. Now Gehazi was uh, initially seemingly just a helper of Elisha. But when Elisha cured a, a person from Aram whose name was Naaman, important general from uh, Aram, so he wants to give a present to Elisha. Elisha says we're not interested in it. Gehazi runs ahead and says, oh, we'd like to take a present. Now, Naaman, who had just been pure, purified from having tzara'at by Elisha and wanting to give that gift, now gives a gift or give gifts to Gehazi. When Gehazi returns, Elisha tells Gehazi, terrible thing you did. You went against me. You quote, you said in my name that I do want those gifts. And ultimately speaking, Gehazi gets tzara'at. He, too, is remembered very, very negatively. Uh, Tosafot on the right-hand side explains, where did you see, uh, we, we know these are the three bad guys. These are the three who went off the path. They were initially straight, but they go off the path. But why is Ahitophil in Peretz? Why is um, Doeg um, uh, in Yoset? And why is uh, Gehazi, that last one, in Sevaha? Tosafot Peretz is Ahitophil, Sheparat Pirsa B'Malchut Bet David. First and foremost, you have to understand Ahitophel breached a hole in the kingship in the monarchy of David. So that's why we refer to him as Peretz. He breached a hole. Okay, uh, what about the next one? Yoset. In Yoset, Zedoeg Doeg himself goes off the path. So he's the Yoset. And lastly, why is Gehazi the Tsevaha, the, the, the screaming, the shouting one? Tosafot very 
very fascinatingly cites a pasuk. Pasuk says in the Torah that about the misora tame tame yikra. Pasuk says that we'll cry out about them, Tameh, Tameh, Tzavachah is to shout out, uh, since Gehazi, ultimately speaking, Gatsarat, they shouted out about him, as the Torah says, Tameh, Tameh, that's why he's the Tzavachah individual. All right, what does the Gemara finish? Birchovotenu, again, the Pasuk says in Tehilim, okay, Alufenu mesubalim en peres, ven yoset, ven Tzavachah, there's none of this negative stuff, Birchovotenu on our streets, Kigon says the uncensored Gemara Yeshu Nosri. We shouldn't have a child or a student who burns his food, meaning really goes off the beaten path, goes off the straight path uh, into burning food publicly. We should have nothing like that in the uncensored version of the Gemara. For example, who's the paradigm of who went really off publicly, not in one circumstance or one situation? Yeshu HaNosri. Says the Gemara onward, Shim'u elai abirelev harichokim misedaka. Pasuk says in Sefer Yeshaya, Listen to me, Abirelev harichokim misedaka. Abirelev sounds like strong-minded, sold-hearted people. But then it says, They're distant from righteousness, from justice, from tzedakah. What's that referring to? You're strong-hearted, you're strong-minded, but you're rotten? Ravu Shmuel v'amrela Rabbi Yohanan v'Rabil Azar. Again, a mahloka between the same emoraim. We're not certain who said what. Hadamar, kola olam kulo nizonim b'tzedakah, vehem nizonim b'zrawah. One interpretation is that abirelev is the sadikim, just like we talked about earlier. Alufenu mesubalim. Um, why do you refer to them as Harehokim Misedaka, the Pasukin Yeshaya? Oh, the explanation is because the entire world are Nizonim Bitzdaka. They get sustained by Akadosh Baruch Hu, um, by, um, by, uh, by God's goodness, by His righteousness. God says, You and not you, me. Uh, who's this guy? Ah, I'll help him out. I'm a, I'm a Sadiq, Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. But the righteous ones, the ones who are Abirelev, Bizroa, Zroa is a strength of an arm. They deserve it. In other words, Kivyachol, in the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when you get rewarded, is it a reward of a payout? You got lucky, he gave it to you as a present because he loves you, because he's righteous, or he gave it to you because you're deservant of it. That's Harehokim Mitzedakah, they're deservant of it. They don't need it to be the Tzedakah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hadam Alternatively, this explanation, the second explanation is the entire world is sustained through the righteousness of these sadikim, of these abirelev. They themselves, they don't, they don't have sustenance. They've risen above the necessity to have those necessities that human beings have. Uh, generally speaking, and although the world kivyachol is sustained, is upheld in their merit, their lives are very simple. They've simplified their physical needs to the extent that the righteous people we're referring to, they don't even need b'tzitkat atzmam, anything, um, any sustenance beyond, you know, so to speak, pat b'melach, as the beraita at the end of Avot says, Kidr av Yehuda, marav, de'amar av Yehuda, marav, bechol yom bayom, bat kol yoset, mehar chore ve'omeret kol ha'olam kulo nizonim bishvil hanina b'ni. Hanina b'ni da'i lo bekav haruvim e'erif shabbat le'erif shabbat. This is similar to the statement of Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav, 
who states a tradition that every day a batkol, a heavenly reverberation, voice, comes out from Har Choreh, that's where we receive the Torah, it's a reference to Har Sinai, and it says, the entire world is sustained by my son, Kivyachol God says, Hanina, Hanina ben Dosa, his righteousness was what ensured for his generation uh, the continued sustenance, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, giving rain, giving productivity, giving money, giving the ability to to live lives in a healthy fashion, but Hanina ben Dosa himself, my son, you want to know what he needs? He needs a kav, that's a small measurement of haruvin, of caribs, of Shabbat, of Shabbat, from one week, from one Friday to the next Friday. In other words, he sustains himself on very little. The whole world, the bounty, uh, the ability to sustain themselves in a bountiful fashion, Hanina ben Dosa. But Hanina ben Dosa, look at him. He doesn't need anything himself. The simplicity of a person who rises to a spiritual level um, is being uh, extolled here in the Gemara. It's uh, being looked at in positive sense. Uh, the righteous ones, the Abirei Lev, that are Hokim Sedaka, they don't need uh, very much at all. Upliga, the Rav Yehuda, the Amar Rav Yehuda, Man Abirei Lev. These two interpretations disagree with Rav Yehuda because Rav Yehuda's angle on Abirei Lev is not the righteous ones, it's not the Sadikim as we've been suggesting until now, rather altogether opposite. Who's Abirei Lev? When the Pasuk says that in Yeshaya, Gova, it's the silly, foolish Gova'e. Gova'e, Rashi says, is the name of a nation in Bavel. So they knew this nation. They knew the people around them. I said, oh, you know what? When the Pasuk says, Abirelev, so to speak, they have that strong, it's a stone heart that they have. Who is it? The Gova'e, the Govites, the ones who live next to us. What about them? What makes them? And the Rehokim they don't give and they don't understand. They don't have, know how to act with justice and righteousness. Amar of Yosef Teda says, Rav Yosef, I'll tell you how silly and how wrongful, how Abirelev in the negative sense these Gova'e are. Rashi suggests the Gova'e might be from the Giv'onim. Anyway, it says, Deha lo You should know there's not a single convert from their nation. They live in our midst. Not a single one of them saw the beauty of our tradition. Not a single one of them thought to come over. They're abirelev, they're stone-hearted. Their minds are stuck. Amar alternatively uh, suggests, along the same lines, but not the gova'eh, but rather, It's the individuals, the non-Jews, who live in a place in Bavil known as Matamachsaya was a place where there was an academy of Torah in the time of the Gemara. And you should know the non-Jews who live there, they're the stone-hearted ones. They're the ones who are really, no converts? No, no, that's not the description. They see the Yekara, Yoker means the grandeur, the beauty of Oraita, of Torah, two times Beshata, a year. What's that a reference to? It's a reference to in the month of Elul, and in the month of, um, uh, immediately before Rosh Hashanah, and immediately before um, uh, Pesach, in Adar, uh, that's when they would, uh, the, the Jews, the lay people, and scholars alike, would gather together in here order to hear the derashah. Before the holiday, they would, uh, those were the major learning times, where they call that the hachnasat uh, kala times, when they would all gather together. So you have to imagine this place, Matam it was filled with, 
Jews who were there to learn Torah, they were unified in heart, in mission, in purpose, studying Torah. Rashi Shayu Nesafim Sham Yisrael Ba'adar Lishma Bechot Pesach Midrash De Ravashe Ubeilu Lishma Hilchot Hag. Ravashe was being Doresh at these two times before Tishrei to teach them the laws of the Hag and Sukkot and maybe Rosh Hashanah and Kippur as well, and before Tishrei, excuse me, and before Nisan in Adar to teach them the laws of Pesach. And they see them, and you should know, they're even worse than that nation we mentioned a moment ago, the Gova'e. These people live in Matamah They see the grandeur. They don't just live in our midst. They see hundreds and maybe even thousands of Jews together unified in a high purpose, and there's no converts that have emerged from them. There, the individuals Yeshaya is negatively speaking about when he talks about Abire Lev, what we've then established and discussed in our Gemara today is uh, several things. First and foremost, we talked about the zechut of the women. We talked about how the women, not the women, women, the statement of the hachamim is gedola haftaha. The haftaha that they're promised uh, with regards to their afterlife is greater than that of the men. The pasuk describes them both as botehot and sha'ananot, so to speak, a double merit. The Gemara then ironically says, but what's their merit? And fascinatingly, the merit is that they make certain that others can study Torah. Can they not study themselves? Well, I believe they can. I believe it wasn't really taking place all that much back then. But even in today's day and age, when women do and should be immersed and involved more in Torah, nonetheless, we can. the aspect that the Gemara brings forth as a concept is understood uh, independent of women or men, and that is that uh, to appreciate the process is, is, is very significant, so much so that when you can detach it, not that you're supposed to, when you can detach it from the outcome, you could look at that and say, well, look at the merit. It's someone who's truly dedicated, as we discussed that earlier. Then the Gemara was Doresh, uh, well, described what the rabbis would say on different occasions when they left um, the study hall and they were going back home. They left the Midrash, they were going back home either to a different country or back to their homes with their wives. They would give these blessings, these berachot to one another as they left. The first one being a description of how our whole being and essence should be directed and driven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to Torah and Mitzvot. The second one, just two words, it seemed like Alufenu Mesubalim. We had a derasha about what Alufenu Mesubalim is. We then talked about the next words in the Pasuk, the En Peretz, Ve'en Yoset, Ve'en that the blessing was and the derasha and that pasuk is we should be so strong in Torah Mitzvot we our lineage our continuity should be unblemished there shouldn't be anyone who goes off the straight path in our descendants and then lastly related to that with regards to understanding what the pasuk is referring to when it seems to be referencing the righteous ones we had this interesting curious pasuk in Yeshayahu the abire lev who are rehokim if they're abire lev what does it mean they're rehokim maybe it means they're independent they don't need the merit from God to so to speak slip them a quick one they don't need that they have it on their own merit alternatively they're not interested and they're not engaged in uh, this world uh, pursuits and 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 uh, above, above and beyond the bare necessities but whereas ironically everyone else is sustained by them. And then lastly, the Gemara said, this was all a mahlokid with the approach of Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda saw the Abire Lev, the Rehokim as being negative, either a reference to the Gova'e, some nation who lived in Bavel. No converts came out of them. Look how stone-hearted, look how straight-minded they are. They can't understand.
understand things. They can't step out of their own box and see the beauty of Torah. Alternatively, it's the people who live in B'nai Ma, uh, Matamachsaya. Uh, Mata they see twice a year for a full month, Rav Asheh, teaching hundreds and thousands of Jews. Not a single convert from them. They're the Abirei live. They're the ones who don't seem to be able to get beyond and outside of their heart and mind to see things differently. And we're negatively portraying and remembering them. Baruch Adonai, the Amen, Amen.